Welcome to the Parenting with Confidence podcast. I am your host, Teresa Alexander Inman, board certified behavior analyst and infant toddler developmental specialist. I don't know if you guys can hear the excitement in my voice already. <laughs> oh my goodness. Today, you're going to have a real treat. Miss Andrea Pollack is with us. Welcome, Andrea. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. You're welcome. Thank you. Oh my, I'm, I'm just... Let me just tell people a little bit about you and then we'll jump in because I'm like ready to just swim. <laughs> All right. So after practicing law for 19 years, Andrea left that career to homeschool her autistic son. When she was unable to find a school in which he could thrive, which is so important. After nearly eight years of homeschooling her son, sorry, homeschooling, her son returned to school. Instead of returning to a law career, Andrea wanted to share her knowledge and experience with other parents. She returned to school and earned a master's degree in education. She also did coursework in social work and became a certified trainer to maximize her impact. She started Autism Parent Solutions, to educate, support, and empower parents to help their autistic children reach their highest potential. She is also chairman of the Board of Cookie Cook School and Institute, a special education school. <laughs> so welcome, 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 Miss Andrea. It's so good to have you here to share. And, you know, like I was saying before, I just feel so aligned with you, what you're doing, what I'm doing. And it's pretty cool that you're all about confident parenting. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, you know what, tell us what that means to you. Well, I realized that so many of the parents who I work with, when they come to me, they are they, they don't know what to do. They feel like there's just so much to know and they can't possibly know it. And they really just don't know what to do. They're caught in power struggles with their children and in overwhelm with the responsibilities and the information. And the answer to that is to develop your own confidence in your parenting. And some of that is tactical, right? Strategies. And some of it is really getting your mindset really, um, you know, firmed up. And together, that enables you to be confident with your child, which really is what they need. Awesome. Now, when you say confident, are you implying that there's a perf we need to be perfect parents? Is that the implication? Never. Of course not. There is no such thing as perfect parenting. By confidence, it means that you really believe that you know the best solution in the moment, which doesn't mean that you're always right. It also means that you're okay when things go sideways because we're human and we're going to make mistakes. We're also going to get things wrong. There are also things that are unexpected, but when you're confident from the inside out, you can handle all of that. And that confidence really helps our children because as you know, they're such sensitive beings. So when we're feeling stressed out and confused and in struggle, that, that makes their experience more difficult. So Building the confidence really supports the calm. And then we can let our children borrow our calm. Oh my gosh, absolutely. You know, you said that and I have goosebumps because that's something I try to relate to people. Your child can sense how you are. 
So if you're not calm and sometimes they behave in ways they don't understand, but it's because they sensed your, you know, whatever the disharmony in you, the stress, the overwhelm. Do you agree with that? I do. Absolutely. And again, back to what confident parenting, parenting means to me, it's really about just being able to go out there and say, I got this. I can handle whatever curveballs he or three, he or she throws. Right. And it doesn't matter if that's actually true in the end. It means that going in, you believe it. And I think that makes all the difference in how you handle a curveball that comes, you know, then you're like, Oh, you know what? It's not a big deal as opposed to, ah. Right. Of course, some are big deals, right? Sometimes we do face bigger challenges, but it doesn't have to be every day and it doesn't have to be all of the the daily things, getting out to school, having a meal. Those things don't need to be the curveballs. So true. And too often these days they are. Yes. So I have a question. Why do you think, and I'm quoting you here, why do you think it takes a drop to your knees moment for parents to get the help that they need? Well, I think it's a few things. I think, first of all, parents think for some reason they're supposed to know how to do this, which is so interesting, right? Why should they know, right? But it's just one of those things that because there is very little parent training in general, you know, even with neurotypical children, there's this somehow undercurrent of belief that we're supposed to know how to do it. So it starts with that. Um, And then, you know, I I just think that they go on and on and try, which is so beautiful, Mm -hmm. but it's not till they get to that drop to your knees moment where I I just don't know what to do. And I can't take this one more day that they seek help. And, you know, in my world, I wish it would happen sooner because I feel like I can help spare them so much of that pain. Oh my gosh. And which is why, honestly, I decided to start working with children from birth because I see the progression of pain and the stress. And so I totally get it. Um, So you have a son who was diagnosed with autism. When did you get help? Um, Well, that's an interesting question. Um, I, you know, I did get help all the way through, really. I tried to. Um, But what I will say is, I really feel like I figured things out when he was well into his teen years. Mm. And that's why I wanted to do this so badly because I've decided, you know, I bet most parents figure it out by the time their kids are teens. And then then we take it with us, right? We don't then pay it forward. And I decided I wanna help parents. This this is figure outable, right? And I wanna help them sooner so they don't have to wait until their children are that old to get the help. Oh. Yes. And I, I totally get it because reason, again, I work with the younger ones more so by the time they get to their teens, the parents are set in their ways and the children are set in their ways. And it's so much more challenging. Yes. Well, we're also remember, you know, we are often trying to counteract centuries of parenting habits, like yelling, you know, punishing, things like that that we know don't really work very well in general, but they don't, they definitely don't work very well for our neurodivergent children generally. So it's, it's centuries of parenting, um, you know, advice and habits, and then, you know, umpteen years 
of parenting your specific child. That's a big, hard wave to overcome. It certainly is. So then tell me, what is your solution to spanking? Because you know what? I just got so upset and he knows better and he should have done. And I'm talking about a three-year-old here. Um, he knew better because, you know, and this and that. So we had to spank him. How do you respond to that? Well, the very first thing I help parents with, we start with a mindset shift mm-hmm. and we help parents see that children generally don't want to be bad, that they lack the skills in the moment to make a better choice, right? Now, sometimes parents are like, well, yesterday he could do that, right? Well, that's where the in the moment piece comes up because people are different on different days. We have good days and bad days too. Mm-hmm. And when you see your child's behavior from the perspective of they lacked the skill in the moment, you know, it's much more easier to be curious. Why? What was going on? What skills do they need? What support do they need in this moment? So it changes your orientation away from anger and towards support. Right. And curiosity, it sounds like, right? Absolutely. That's a big one. Right. And we, but then we have to practice that because the habit is to go to anger. Oh, yes. We have to really practice interrupting that habit, realizing that it is just a habit that it's a habit based on a thought error, mm-hmm. which is that the child's doing this intentionally. Right. The other piece is to help them see that the spanking doesn't teach them what to do differently next time. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what I asked. What's the replacement behavior? <laughs> yeah. It right. does. So um, a child, I'm just gonna, I'm just, this just jumped in my head. So I'm going to have a little scenario here. So a child, um, they spill something and they did it on purpose and you know, they did it on purpose. So you have to spank them because how else are you going to teach them? How else would you teach them as Andrea? Well, first, again, I would get curious about my certainty that they did it on purpose, Right. And if that's true, why did they do it on purpose? What were they looking for? Were they looking for attention? Were they looking for the sensory experience? If they were looking for the sensory experience, well, then give them water to play with in a way that isn't inconvenient, right? Spill water into a bowl and spill it back. If the, if you're exploring through play, like who, there are a lot of reasons why that spill might have happened. But again, spanking isn't going to teach the child not to do it again. It's going to teach the child that you got angry and that you know, mom has some power when she's angry and that makes me feel bad. And sometimes when I feel bad, I actually, then that increases my, my challenging behavior because now I'm more dysregulated. Absolutely. Cause I mean, then, because of course the parent is dysregulated, which is why they're spanking and they're teaching their child that this is how we do it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So the, the whole perspective shift of curiosity and believing that there's a reason why your child's behaving this way. This is all part of maintaining your own regulation first, right? Because one dysregulated person can't help another dysregulated person. Exactly. And I usually tell parents, you know what, you've been on this earth a long time, a long, like much longer than your child. And, and, you know, I, I usually observe them having a tantrum themselves. So you're just telling your child, it's okay to have a tantrum. It's okay to do this because what they're doing is age appropriate for them. Exactly. But again, I, you know, 
as I'm sure you do, right? We have compassion for those parents because they don't know what else to do, right? So, so I get why Mm -hmm. I just wish they would have access to, you know, alternative um, tools. And again, it's, it's a, it's a combination of the, uh, the strategy and the mindset because they work together. The strategy without the mindset shift isn't going to work. That's like telling someone, don't yell at your kids. Well, everybody knows that, but how am I going to execute that? Exactly. What does that look like? What am I doing instead? Yeah. Right. And what do I do when that feeling comes up? So right. we don't want people, I always tell parents, I want you to feel all the feelings. It's, this is not about suppressing your own feelings, mm-hmm. but sometimes those feelings don't have to come up because those feelings are based on a thought error. The thought error being my child's doing that on purpose. Mm-hmm. So true. So true. I mean, one of the first things I tell parents when I meet with them, you don't know what you don't know. Stop judging yourself. So, and I want to say that because we're not, this is not what this is about. You know, we're here to help, not to judge, not to say, well, you should have done. If you knew better, you'd do better because you love your baby more than anybody else. Of course. Of course. Actually, right. I mean, you know, if a parent were like, oh, I don't care, let them do whatever. That's more a sign of of not putting in the effort. The the discipline is part of the effort. It's just not the most effective way generally to go about it. Absolutely. Now, would you discipline every child the same way? Well, I mean, I do think all children are different. Mm -hmm. I think um, what they know and what their sensitivities are, they're all different. But I think that these same strategies do really apply to all children. And the stra- I'm talking about, you know, maintaining your own self-regulation first, mm-hmm. helping them regulate before you um, discipline, right? Because if they're in a dysregulated state, they're not capable of interacting reasonably anyway, mm-hmm. right? We want to set them up for success. We want to be aware of their sensory issues. Mm-hmm. We want to get their buy-in. We want to be sensitive to their inflexibility, which as we know is a characteristic generally of autism. So I think that the same uh, considerations go into all discipline. The execution is different. Absolutely. And how so? Well, you said it's specific to every child. So we would have to figure out, so how does a parent know this? How would they, how do they figure this out? Um, well, I'm a big fan of parent coaching as part of that, obviously, because I think it is really hard mm-hmm. to figure it out yourself. But I do think curiosity is the first ingredient. Well, self-regulation and then curiosity and openness and collaboration. That's another one. You know, sometimes parents believe that they are supposed to be the authority. And I understand that, right? We don't want our kids to run wild. They need boundaries. But when we try to exert the authority over them, um, we lose out sometimes on the opportunity to collaborate to meet their needs. When we collaborate, we can often meet everybody's needs. Um, So those two things are often in conflict and, and, uh, you know, helping parents find those ways to collaborate is a really important piece. It is so true. And do you find this to be true that sometimes you'll suggest something and a parent's like, why didn't I think of that? Well, you're in the middle of it. (laughs) Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. It's one of the reasons, you know, part of my program, I do um, a group question and answer twice a week. And what's so interesting is to watch parents be able to help other parents when they can't see the answer when it's happening to them. 
But I love to do it this way because it helps them build their problem-solving skills and they can see how capable they are when they're not in the moment. Yes. And when they practice problem-solving skills, the children will learn problem-solving skills. Yes, exactly. So cool. I mean, I could talk about this all day because, you know, this is my thing as well. (laughs) It is just so exciting. Now... Let's go specifically to child, to parents who have children with autism, because I, you know, working with them, it's obvious. I mean, they are more overwhelmed than any other parents, mm-hmm. you know. And why do you think that is? Uh, well, it's interesting. I actually study this. There are research. There's there's research that discusses this, um, and it has to do with characteristics of both the children and the parents. But I do think that the range of outcomes is so great. And I think that challenging behavior can be completely overwhelming and unpredictable, um, which causes increased parent stress. So what the research shows that I think is fascinating is that the obvious piece is that um, challenging behavior feeds parenting stress. But what the research shows is that parenting stress can then also feed challenging behavior. Right. And it a little bit goes back to the self-regulation thing we were talking about. When we are dysregulated, our children who are so sensitive, um, you know, get escalated as well. So it makes perfect sense, but it also shows that we're the only one who can change the dynamic. The child can't change it. So we have to do it. So addressing this parenting stress is so important. Right. And you believe it's the first thing that should be done then? I do. I mean, I think, again, it goes back to, it's a combination of strategies, right? When you have no idea what to do, that's stressful. So giving parents some strategies, but it's obviously not just strategies. If it were just strategies, we could read it in a book and do it and be done, right? It would be easy, but there's a whole mindset piece that's driving how parents implement the strategies. So I do think from a very early age, giving them some mindset support in combination with the strategies can really help diminish that parenting stress and it leads to better outcomes. That's what the research shows. Gotcha. So you got your research from books and I'm just going to ask, why is it difficult for parents to learn strategies from books? Um, well, here's what I would say. I did get my, my, my um, strategies from books, but then I engaged in you know, some decades of trial and error, right? So that's what I'm able to share with parents that's not available in books, right? So I think parents can do it, but it's the very long and winding road. Um, That's why, you know, so it it can be done. Um, It's just harder than if you get the support earlier on, which is why I like to do what I do because I know that I can help parents um, tackle this earlier. And also I do want to go back. We talked in the beginning about teenagers and how hard it is, but it's doable. You can change the dynamic, you can change the relationship and you can, you know, really address the issues, even with teenagers. I have parents of children who are 20 and they're able to make progress as well. 
Oh, absolutely. I'm not saying it's impossible. It's just a little more challenging. Exactly. I just wanted to touch on that because yeah. we left it there and I was like, oh, wait, but it's not impossible. I work with, I work with these parents all the time. So that's right. Yes. And they're just the ones who are on their knees more. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and thank you for circling back to that because it is really important. You know, we're all about hope here, you know, and even as adults, if you have a ch an adult child who has autism, it is not too late. I mean, I taught an adult child to feed himself, you know, and I have toilet trained adult children. So yes. it is possible. We're just saying it's just a little more challenging. So the sooner you start, the less you're on your knees. Right? Right. Absolutely. Well, you know, one of the other things that we do um, is we really focus on celebrations as well because we spend so much time focusing on challenges that we forget that on the way to wherever it is we're going, there are just so many things to celebrate, big and small. Mm -hmm. And it's really important to help parents remember that, you know, carve out a little time for those celebrations as well, because they're really important. Absolutely. And when you say celebrations, what are you talking about? Like, just give us an example of some small milestone that you would celebrate. Um, well, we, you know, we do it in every session. So it could be something as small as, you know, my child who had a hard time getting on the bus to go to school for the last three weeks, got on this morning and waved goodbye. I mean, just something like that. Or my child who's never eaten a vegetable touched the broccoli with her finger. Yeah. You know, um, and sometimes it's little like that. Sometimes it's big. Sometimes it's, you know, my child slept over at grandma's and made it through the night. I didn't get the call. Can you come pick her up? Hey. Um, big celebrations. I've had children who have had real, a really hard time going to school. School refusal is a thing. It's a problem. Oh. Um, and we've helped, you know, with a plan and, and um, you know, it takes time. It's not immediate, but they start going to school. And then, you know, a few months later, you look back and realize this kid's going to school every day. This yeah. kid was like threatening to throw themselves out of a moving car on the way to school eight months ago is in school. That's a huge celebration. But there are a lot of little ones on the way to that. Absolutely. And I think parents forget where they were because they're so focused now on where they are. They forget because, you know, I've had parents, well, we're not making any progress. Uh, wait, hold on. What happened last week? Where were you yesterday? Like the thing, you know, yesterday he wasn't even sitting on the toilet and today he went. Yeah. He sat on the toilet and he voided, you know, so that's huge. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because you're right. We get so focused on the gap what we perceive as the gap between where they are and where they should be, that we forget to appreciate the gap between where they were yeah. and where they are. That's right. And, you know, I want to just add, we shouldn't be measuring like, you know, our children against somebody else. Look at them based on where they were. Like, don't compare them to your friend's children because they're not. And because they have their own gifts, their own special talents and everything that, you know, so yeah, let's just look at them as they are. Right. A hundred percent. I was really referring to sometimes parents get fixated on like a, like in an issue, like, like toilet training, as mm -hmm. an example, they're looking at, you know, at age 3.2, they should be, you know, I was focusing on that, but, um, I totally agree with you. Um, there are so many beautiful things about every child and our children have some exceptionally beautiful things about them. Um, and we have to focus on the whole package. 
Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, when you focus on what you have instead of, or what you, you know, your child's skills, instead of the skills that are emerging or they haven't learned yet, it's just, it's less overwhelming. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's also, I and mean, this is where the, the really strong mindset support comes in as well, because there's so much to appreciate. I mean, one of the things that I talk about with parents all the time, you know, I get to enjoy these milestones. My son is 24 and he's still doing things. He went to the dentist for the first time, laid in the chair, opened his mouth and had a full dental cleaning without like, I know that sounds, he's had the cleanings and everything, of course, all these years, but it always involved, you know, medication and stunt doubles for, you know, (laughs) crazy things to get my son to go to the dentist. And, you know, I sent out an email to my, you know, to my group, like, oh my gosh, my son did this thing at 24. And I realized I get to celebrate those things or he'll come up with a new word because he's, he does, you know, he has language, but he's not really conversational. Mm. Um, And I get so overjoyed. And that's a mindset thing. I had to train myself to, uh, to do regularly in order to, that for that to become my new habit. Mm -hmm. And now I just, I can you know, revel in the enjoyment of it so much. Yes. And you can't revel and have stress at the same time. So if we're reveling, the stress is at near zero or zero. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, you know, again, that goes back to the confidence issue. And I think part of confidence is confidence in knowing that A, you've got this, but also B, it's going to turn out exactly the way it's meant to. Yes. It's all going to be okay. You're going to figure it out and you're going to figure out a way for our children to have exactly the perfect life for them. Yes, exactly. Their life, not what we want it to be or what we think it should have been. It's their life. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. My friend, Timothy Stutz always says, you get the children that you need, not the children that you necessarily want, you know, and I don't say, I'm not saying that any child is unwanted, but the, you need the child that you get is designed to enrich your life and you enrich their lives in turn. Absolutely. I, I mean, I, I agree with that completely. And I, of course, I, I didn't hear that in what you said, like, I wasn't thinking you were saying nobody, you know, anything was unwanted, but um, I totally agree. It was maybe not the child you envisioned. Yes, yes. But, uh, oh, you know, sometimes you don't get what you want. You get something better, right? Absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I, I do feel so lucky. And I know that sounds, you know, sometimes parents roll their eyes when they hear people say that. And I am not downplaying the, the struggles and the difficulties over the years or anything else. But I know that my life is so much richer because I got to live this experience. Yes. You know, and I get to live it through other parents, but even I think if I'm this excited, if I, you know what I mean? I'm so thrilled about the progress. Imagine how the parents are feeling. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It's um, an amazing feeling that I know you want all parents to feel. Yes. And in doing so, how can they get a hold of you? They well, if they are interested in exploring parent coaching, mm-hmm. they can go directly to book a call with me, and that is at my website, 
autismparentsolutions.com forward slash apply. If they're not ready to book a call, they don't think they're ready to explore uh, coaching and they just want more information, they can go just straight to the website, autismparentsolutions.com. There's a free 40-minute training on there that they can watch and they can read more about the process and about me and you know, take it from there. If there's, if they're interested, then they can book a call if, if they'd like to explore that with me. Awesome. And it's a great training, by the way. Thank you. I appreciate that. I was like, what? Yeah, it was, I just love, like I told you before, we're so aligned. Like I really could feel what you were saying because it resonated with me. It made sense. And I just, it's, it's the common sense way to treat behavior, right? You know, and to teach skills. Right. So, Right. And we can teach parents these things, right? Even though it's common sense, it's not what parents are led to believe is the right way to parent, whatever that means. Right? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And I tell parents sometimes, you know what? Some things we tell you may be counterintuitive, but just trust, trust. Yes. And try it. <laughs> yes, right? absolutely. Par parenting is, is about experimenting and uh, we got to keep trying until. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you didn't love what you do, you would not be doing it. <laughs> That's true. That is true. I, I love it. I, I am so lucky that I get to do this work. I am just so appreciative that this is what I get to do. Yeah, it's a true blessing and it's so needed. I don't think there are enough people doing what we do out there. And um, because there are so many families out there who are on their knees praying and crying and, you know, struggling when they don't have to. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And, you know, parents are the foundation, right? They don't need to leave it to, you know, a, an expert, let's say, or a teacher or a therapist. There's so much that that parent-child relationship gives to the child that, you know, it, it starts there. So I love when parents get the help that they need because it does, you know, it, it improves the quality of life for not only the parent, but also the child, the whole family. Absolutely. Because parents are their children's best teacher. They are. I totally agree. Yes. And um, so if there was one thing you would want people to leave this moment with, Miss Andrea, what would that be? Um, That would be... I just think, I think that getting the parenting support in terms of both emotional support and training, and if you can get it together in one, because they so interrelate, that's so powerful. And then on top of it, just be nice to yourself. You're human. We're all human. Things go sideways for everybody. And a lot of people don't talk about it. So just be nice to yourself, right? Start there. And then it's easier to self-regulate when you're not so hard on yourself and that's beneficial for your child. So if you just do that, that's a great place to start. Yes. And it also, it's also easier to see what you need instead of when you're frazzled, you really don't know where to start. Right. Well, you know, it's the same thing. You know how we talk about with our children when they're dysregulated, which is the equivalent of being frazzled as an adult, right? They can't process the information, right? We can't even you know, try to reason with them then because they're dysregulated. It's the same for us. When yeah. we're in that state, we can't access the smart part of our brain right. to, to find what we need. So prioritizing that uh, stress reduction and finding the calm place is so important. 
Yes, yes. Now we could talk about this forever, but I am mindful of your time. And I know parents don't have time to sit and listen to a two hour long or all day long podcast. <laughs> so I think we can always do this again, if you would like. Absolutely. I would love that. Awesome. And I would just like to thank everybody for listening to our podcast on Spotify and wherever they hear their, listen, their favorite podcast. And Ms. Andrea, thank you so much for coming on and helping parents do it with confidence. Thank you so much for having me today. I really appreciate speaking with you. You're welcome. It's been an absolute pleasure. Mine too.